0: Well, good afternoon, and welcome to episode 36 of Home Theater United. I'm still Sam Poston, and today we are joined, or I am joined, by Caleb Dennison of Digital Trends. Caleb, do you want to say hi real fast?
1: Hey, everyone, and uh, hey, Sam. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it.
0: Oh, man, I am super stoked to have you on the show. Uh, as our regular listeners know, we are trying to expand um, all of the communities talking together, uh, between the forums and the, the what little magazines are left over and digital sites like yours, uh, so we are we are really really excited to have you onto the conversation. So thank you for that.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to be here.
0: Cool. I'm gonna just uh, jump over to two quick housekeeping notes uh, for folks that have been following my uh, disaster I don't I don't think we've even discussed it but I had a, a basement flood and have redone my whole basement home theater recently and uh, just talking uh, about my plans for that uh, listeners and home theater forum folks knew that I was one of the folks that was uh, planning on buying the JVC 8 uh, series uh Uh, projector. And that has not happened, first of all, because they simply couldn't ship enough of them to America and technology moved on. So I have declared bankruptcy on uh, panel upgrades or projector upgrades for the basement this year. But the good news is for my family room, I have purchased a 77 inch G2 from LG via uh, friends of the podcast, Value Electronics and Robert Zone and that is sitting in my kitchen right now and the pain of it is it was here on Monday and won't be installed until next Monday. So if there's there's anything worse than uh, in the home theater realm than having a brand new toy to play with and not being able to get it on the wall. I don't know what it is, but but I'm super excited to to get into the, the this year's uh, 22 inch or 70 <laughs> the 2022 model year uh g set uh g2 and i know that's uh that the lgs are on your radar too caleb so i'm interested to see what you have or to hear what you have to say about that well first and-
1: of all like Awesome and also <laughs> awful about yeah. your basement situation. Like yeah. it's awful that it got flooded. It's awesome yeah. that it gave you a reason to, you know, yeah. rebuild, do some yeah. upgrades. I hope some insurance money was involved oh, with yes. that. Oh yeah. Um yes. but uh yeah, I, I, I have to tell you that like I totally feel your pain. I mean, the fact of the matter is TVs arrive at my office and then sit there for four, five, six, seven, sometimes even ten days. Before I can actually get to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of them more exciting than others. and But I definitely like it's frustrating when I can't just dig into something right away. Um, and so I understand how frustrating it can be to have something awesome sitting in your yeah. case, the kitchen, uh, and not be able to to start enjoying it like right away. But you know what, man, just like milk that anticipation <laughs> for all it's worth because yep. the payoff is going to sure. be that much better once you do get to it i uh,
0: think it's like willy wonka says you know the the tension is terrible i hope it lasts but exactly i, I, <laughs> I hope it doesn't last that long so right. so let's get into it that that that's a that's a great transition so uh let's just start i i know um a, a lot of home theater forum folks uh, refer to your reviews and and those uh from digital trends but what would you how would you describe your job? How'd you get into it, and um, how does digital trends fit into where where do you see digital trends in in the landscape? Let's put it that way. And I know that's kind of a really open question, but I'll, I'll let you let you jump on it.
1: Oh, that's cool. I got you. Um, so, like, it's been an interesting journey for me uh, because I was working at a speaker company. Um, When in 2008, uh, you know, the recession hit and a lot of middle management people across the U.S. got laid off and found themselves without a job. And I had just had a baby like my my kid was two months old. And I was like, this is the worst thing ever. Like, I just bought a house. I was immediately underwater on the house. And I just and I just had a baby. And then I lost my job and it was just the worst. I thought it was the worst thing ever that could possibly happen to me, but it actually ended up turning into possibly the best thing that could have ever happened in that, um, you know, I uh, one of the other people I worked with at that speaker company also got laid off and said, hey, you know, you should reach out to my friends, Ian Bell and Dan Gall. They uh, they've launched this website and I think they could use like an audio reviewer. So I got uh, a hold of them, uh, started writing as a freelancer, and then, uh, you know, the site grew. Uh, I started heading up the entire AV section, had a small team that grew into a big team. Um, You know, I was section editor over AV at Digital Trends for quite a while. Uh, Then I got bumped up to senior editor, and that involved more leadership opportunities and roles uh, within the company. And then more recently, I was uh, retitled as editor at large, which uh, the idea there was just sort of unshackle me from a lot of the day to day grind and managerial responsibilities involved in running a section at a site as big as ours. And just let me focus in on what I do best, you know, which uh, is primarily TV reviews, but but also to open up and look at more tech in general. Um, And to lean heavy into the video stuff that I was doing, uh, kind of be the face of the company, um, show up and and give presentations and guest on, you know, uh, local and national TV stations, you know, as a tech expert and stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. And it's been, yeah, it's been really, really fun. Um, It's been quite a journey. I mean, I think obviously, you know, it it was 2008 that, uh, that the layoff happened 14 years later. Um, I can't believe it's been 14 years, but it's been a really cool journey. Um, And so, like, my job right now uh, really is to – tackle tvs first you know that's kind of the bread and butter Mm -hmm. i'm also a you know huge audio enthusiast and so i love uh digging into that stuff um whenever i can right there's a lot of tvs and a lot of talk about there so um you know i i pick and choose when i am going to get into something audio related uh usually if it's kind of groundbreaking or just super important to the conversation or to home theater in general you know and then um and then, yeah, bop around and show up to events, and um, you know, I I, uh, I wear I wear a lot of hats, you know, sure. and perform a lot of functions. But ultimately, I think most people, uh, if they're familiar with me, are familiar with you know the work I do in television reviews. Um, but to your points, point about like where digital trends fits in, you know, the home theater landscape, um, you know, our the the focus of our site has always been kind of like tech for the way you live you know we're Mm -hmm. really trying to take a look at how technology can enrich your lifestyle um how it changes the way you live how it improves the way you live um and what it's like to live with the tech you know uh it's definitely kind of a like a lifestyle approach um And so, you know, we want to reach a large audience. We want to help as many people as we can with making smart buying decisions. And then also, like, once you get it home, how you use it, you know, tips Mm -hmm. and tricks and uh, things of that nature. Um, And, you know, Digital Trends is part of a larger media group. We we have many, many other sites, uh, including, like, The Manual, which is a men's lifestyle magazine. Oh, cool. but digital trends is sort of the uh, the flagship product of the media group right now, and uh, I love it, man. I just I absolutely love being a part of this company. The funny thing is, like, I think with the audience that is familiar with me on YouTube, a lot of them don't don't actually know that I'm part of digital trends. You oh, know, the I digital see. trends is this big media group. There's mm-hmm. not always crossover between a YouTube channel and an online publication. Uh, And so a lot of people are really surprised to learn that I am part of a, you know, a big team. In fact, some people think that I shoot and edit my own videos and I don't, you know, I'm in (laughs) front of the camera, somebody else is behind the camera Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and, and actually performing the edits. And it's a very collaborative process, but you know, um, I work well with others (laughs) and uh, enjoy working with others. and, And it's cool to be part of a you know, a big organization that's doing cool things in uh, in the tech space.
0: Gotcha. Well, your videos are superbly, you know, uh, w- well-produced. And, and so the, the, that's definitely a leg up that you have over a, a lot of other reviewers and things like that. And so I'm going to skip down to a different question that I've got. But, you know, you are a pro, uh, quote unquote pro reviewer. Uh, and you know, on YouTube and at your site, what what do you consider to be a you know a pro reviewer, and what what does that mean today?
1: Uh, that's funny because I was actually going to ask you what you consider to be a pro reviewer, and I mean it's it's an interesting mm-hmm. philosophical question. Sure. Like, when I was younger, I mean, like a kid, um, I can't remember who I asked and who replied, but somebody said, "Well, you know, a professional is somebody who." gets paid to do what they do mm-hmm. right which is kind of like i, I don't want to say it's a cop-out answer right? right but i think the 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 spirit of the answer was if you make a living at doing it then you you are a professional right mm-hmm. um but then there's also this notion too that like a professional is somebody who um, is an expert in their field. You yep. know, uh, maybe they've gone to college or trade school or gone through an apprenticeship program or something like that, where they've learned skills, they've got accreditation, um, and so they're a master of their craft. Okay. And a lot, I think, a lot of people think that's what a pro. Mm-hmm. is in just in general. Right. Um, Like a lot of people don't know this, but I'm a professional trumpet player. I tell people, you okay. know, I'm a professional trumpet player. Is that my main source of income? <laughs> it is not. Um, Does it keep me busy on the weekends? It absolutely does. And I do make a, a decent uh, paycheck off of playing trumpet. But like, that's awesome. The, I think the reason I call myself a professional trumpet player is because I'm well skilled at it. Mm-hmm. I studied for it um you know i've got credentials with that and and also people pay me to do it uh at a high level um and so you know i guess to answer the question about you know um pro reviewers i mean that that question of what is a professional is very Mm -hmm. much at the heart of like um this conversation about like what differentiates somebody i I don't want to use the the term youtuber but someone whose main platform is YouTube and is doing TV reviews, Mm -hmm. uh, are they a professional or are they not a professional? And what qualifies that? And my opinion on that, I mean, you know, I think everybody uh, in your audience is going to have a different stance on that. uh, And I respect whatever that stance is. But in my opinion, I think somebody who is really dedicated to the craft, somebody who uh, seeks to constantly learn more, Somebody who's got a methodology and um, someone who really just tries to be as comprehensive and do the best job and provide a great service Mm -hmm. to, to others. I think that's that's the mark of a professional. And so whether it's their primary source of income or not. Um, I'm not so concerned about that. In fact, I don't know that we need to have, you know, the, the traditional differentiation uh, uh, between, you know, a pro reviewer mm-hmm. and a non-pro reviewer. Um, there are reviewers out there um, working on YouTube. Uh, I respect their their thoughts and opinions very much. And I don't know if they would consider themselves professionals or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what they're putting out there is, can be valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some others that I think maybe aren't so valuable. Um, <laughs> but I'm not here to talk trash about everyone. Sure. I think ultimately what's what it's going to come down to, Sam, is that the people that are providing a quality product, the people that are really doing a great service to their audience, like they're going to build an audience, you know, and – uh And those who are not providing value are probably going to struggle to build an audience because the audience themselves, I think they're the ones who are deciding what's worthwhile and what's not. You know, they people have a good BS meter built right in Mm -hmm. and they know when um, when they're getting the truth, they know when they're getting a straight up take. Um, And they're going to gravitate towards that, you know. Um, And then there's just straight up entertainment, right, Sam? (laughs) Like, there's stuff that, like, I don't care if you're a professional or not. If you're super entertaining and you're having fun, that is in and of itself its own service. And so, you know, I I know that uh, a lot of people are going to jump into the game and some will make it and some won't. Um, And it's, you know, a lot of it is up to the audience, at the end of the day, you know, uh, is going to choose who they like and who they want to gravitate to. And I, you know, I also think that there's a certain level of like luck involved. Like does the YouTube algorithm shine (laughs) down on you that day (laughs) or that week or that month? And you sometimes don't have any control over that game as much as you want, but sometimes you're at the mercy of, Um, the gatekeepers of the internet. And that's unfortunate, but you know, that's kind of true of anything. I will say one final thing. I think that this notion of a pro reviewer, somebody maybe who works for a large company, a media organization or something like that, I think that does come with some benefits. Like, um, You know, there are there is a management, you know, there are standards, you know, there's performance appraisals, there are goals, there are um, checks and balances, you know, to try to provide a product with integrity. And so I think that that right there might enhance the trust building um, process a little bit. Um, But again, I think that there are independent folks out there, creators who are doing amazing work, and that their product is just as valid as anybody else's.
0: Wow. I I have had very similar conversations in the photography space. I'm I'm an amateur photographer. I've been doing it since 1988. Have had many opportunities to do professional gigs, let's say, and have refused them (laughs) consistently. Because for, for me... Uh, a professional is uh, reliable, accurate, and consistent. And, yeah. And so, whether or not you're institutionally backed, whether you've got a corporation, um, you know, an, or an independent, I think you still have to hit all three of those things uh, every time, or your reputation's going to suffer. Dude, and, it's like
1: cooking, right? It's like yeah. food. Like sure. there are people out there who are amazing cooks. Yeah. Ah uh, they can they can assemble a plate that will that looks like it came from a three star Michelin uh, restaurant. It just like the composition, the flavors, like mm-hmm. they they're amazing, but they're not chefs, right? Yep. A chef um is a professional who leads a team at a restaurant, and that's their job, right? So, yep. but is that amateur, We can call them an amateur chef or a high-level cook or whatever you want to. Is their food any less delicious? Is it any less beautiful? No. They're they're legit. And the internet has allowed a lot of people to step into cooking, food creation, and Mm -hmm. do amazing things. They may not be considered professionals or Mm -hmm. chefs, but – their stuff is good, yeah. you know, and I think we're seeing that in a lot of spaces. Like you said, photography is another great example. Are you out there shooting wedding gigs like every weekend? No, but that doesn't mean you're not a damn good photographer.
0: Sure. Yeah. Oh man. I don't think anybody's ever con- uh, concisely answered that question as well as you have. You've obviously given that a lot of thought. So I thank you for that. If, if nothing else, I I think that's a, a really important you know, well, point. great, interview over. <laughs> it's been a great time. <laughs> and, uh, 100, no, po- 100 points I'm and kidding. we're done. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, the other point, too, is that there's room for both, right? I mean, just people's media consumption is through the roof compared to, you know, what we might have had in the 80s and 90s and stuff like that. So I yeah. think there, I think there's room for a, a, a lot of different things. And I certainly have a very, very wide diet of media that I consume, um, you know uh, from institutionally backed corporate stuff like yours to the the four YouTubers that I had on last week in you know, last mm-hmm. show and you know i am a i'm a forum um denizen right that i'm 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 a a native to forums right i've been doing forums since you know usenet time so yeah. so so I, I i try to consume all that and get different perspectives but i know that like my friends who just want to go buy a TV, they're going to pull up like a digital trends or an, uh, ratings or something like that. And they're going to look at three videos and be done. So I think that, I think the difference is for, you know, the people like you and me that care about this stuff, um, you know, there's a whole smorgasbord of stuff that we can enjoy. And I, I really dig that.
1: Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I, I mean, I will take uh, one of the guests from your show last week, um, FOMO, like here's a guy who appreciated some of the TV reviews that he was seeing out there and, and saw value in them. But none none of them, including myself, apparently, thanks, FOMO, uh, <laughs> were really giving him what he needed, right? Sure. He, he was approaching things from a use case scenario and he saw an opportunity mm-hmm. to – uh, put a different voice and a different perspective on things. Yep. And he's out there doing his thing. And uh, I think that's super valuable. You know what I mean? Like yep. um, everybody has a different need. Um, you know, you have audiences out there who have needs and, and you know, somebody's out there meeting them and well, that's, and- uh, that's, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to meet my yep. audience needs is my needs is, <laughs> I don't know what that is. I, who am I Gollum now? Yeah. Uh, but I think that um with that comes a tr- you know tremendous responsibility sure. and i feel a huge amount of responsibility mm-hmm. um you know if i suffer any anxiety in this gig it's from just feeling that high level of responsibility to deliver a great product yep. but also steer people in um, a good direction. I don't want to say the yeah. right direction because right according to who, well, but I want to steer people in a good direction. Yeah. And, so.
0: and, and do it so positively and make them feel good about, uh, uh, you know, this is literally people's, unless they're buying boats or something like that, it's one of the top five things that they're going to spend their money on each year, right? You know, you've got right. your car, your home, and then what else you spend in that's in the, you know, jewelry, I guess, but but, you know, dropping three or five grand on a panel would, you know, send a lot of people running screaming. So if they're going to do it, to have the ability to, you know, get the information about what makes sense for them is awesome. Yeah. And just one thing to add with with the YouTubers, not only are they, you know, providing a different uh, perspective and input and you know, hitting different market segments, but they're building community too. And and that's something that we really value at Home Theater Forum and now Home Theater United. And so mm-hmm. just having a place where people can, you know, bounce ideas off and say, Here's, you know, here's my use case, what makes sense. And and those guys are doing a great job for that. So I had I really had fun talking to them and and I, I knew that with you coming up on the show that it would provide a different perspective. So I, yeah. Mean, it, it's yeah. Great. I
1: mean, community, you're right. Community is so important. Like, and I, if I have any regrets, it's that I can't, I can't engage with my audience as much as I'd like to. Yeah. Like the most that I can really engage with my audience right now is in the comments section on the YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. Like you have no idea how many, uh, ATS on Twitter or DMs on Twitter or you know DMs on Instagram or emails you know um, just uh, fortunately not so many phone calls uh, <laughs> I'm glad my phone number's not out there just floating around but like I get so many questions about yep. should I, should i buy this should i buy that you know yep. which one would you pick and i just can't answer them all there's yeah. no way and it's not that i don't want to it's just i literally cannot no, um you and know that, and, and that's so in fair terms of right com- you know. know in terms of community i the best i can do is like pay attention to what's happening in the comment mm-hmm. section and if i can't type a comment in the comment section I am deaf. I-, I want everybody out there who, you know, maybe watches my videos or whatever to know, like, I really do see you. I read as many of the comments as I can mm-hmm. and I take that into consideration and I help it form. Like, what do I, what do I address in my videos and how I go about making those videos and what I talk about? Yeah. Um, and that, you know, I hope that one day I can like integrate even more with the community. Um, but right now I can just do the best I can do, you know?
0: Sure. I mean, it's all about scale and and we have that same problem at at home theater forum. And I can't imagine how much bigger it is on sites like AVS where they're, they're dedicated to specific tech questions and things like that, but you can only, you can only do what you can do. And, you know, if you've got a bigger audience that, you know, you've got a, you know, scale problem that, you know, that, that just can't be matched. So it's like yeah. being a famous author, right? You know, everybody wants, you know, your opinion and to tell you how much they love you or stuff like that. But you, you can only, you know, respond to a small slice of that. And I think people recognize that.
1: I hope so. You know, sometimes I feel like some people don't, <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, honestly, I think most yeah. people do, yeah. you know? And so just for anybody out there listening who sent me a message or whatever, like, If I didn't get back to you, it's not because I don't care. I really do. It's just a scale thing. Just like you said, Sam, you know, I, I, I can only do so much.
0: I'm just one guy. (laughs) Well, that, that, that's a great meta uh, conversation, but really the reason we've got you on here is to talk 2022 tech and what has got you excited. So let's dig into that. So I know you've put out a number of 2022 uh, reviews and so you've got more in the hopper and Um, The one thing I want to make sure that we, you know, touch on is you are covering not just the top end of the market segment and you've got to focus on, you know, the the middle of the pack, but you're looking at everything from, you know, from the the guys at the uh, budget segment, shall we say, all the way through. Um, you know, maybe not the ridiculously extreme, uh, you know, two hundred thousand dollar panels and stuff like that, but you know, up there. So, what's got you jazzed about twenty twenty two, and what are you excited about this year?
1: I'm excited about so much stuff. Um, there are so there are so many exciting TV models coming out, um, and I think twenty twenty two for me. Uh, partially due to QD OLED's introduction into the market, right, Um, is one of the most exciting years for televisions um, that I've seen um, since OLED first came out, um, since HDR started really becoming a thing. Like, I think that 2022 is just a really awesome year for TVs. And um, the trend of more performance for less money – um is continuing to ratchet up and the decision about uh, the the argument over where the law of diminishing returns comes in um is getting more and more difficult to to pin down like um i i did do a video not too long about too long ago about like why i won't review this tv right and the notion of the video was that like there is a certain entry-level television um that i just i'm not going to be able to review because a i don't have the time but also b like most people aren't really doing research right if they want a dirt cheap 43 inch tv they're going to walk into best buy or costco and pick up an insignia or a Toshiba or something like that um that is gonna suit their needs uh, they're probably not being super discerning about it um like for just anecdotally speaking like I've got this uh, this RV, right? And I needed to put a TV in it. And I knew that the max size that I could go for was somewhere around like 24 inches or whatever. And... Um I did not spend a whole lot of time figuring out what TV I was going to buy. And I'm a TV reviewer, right? And it's not because I have like a categorical knowledge of what's out there. I just know that if I'm only spending X number of dollars, that it almost doesn't matter which TV I get. Like which smart TV platform was built in was more important than whatever picture quality was going to come with it. Because I knew the picture quality was only going to get to a certain level. And, you know, like (laughs) when I'm in my RV, Uh, I don't need an OLED TV. That's just facts, dude. Like now that I'm sure there are some people out there going, you're crazy, man. If I have an RV, I'm pimping it out with like the most badass TV I can get (laughs) Yeah, and more power to you. But my RV doesn't have that kind of space. Like I have room for like a 20 some odd inch TV. And, um, and so those TVs, I just don't feel like there's a voracious audience for dickering about which, you know, 150 or $200 TV you should get. Um, so I do try to pick up um, right around, like to use TCL as a brand example, I, I do want to kind of pick up around the four series and, um, and maybe, you know, quickly, Analyze the the differences between TCL's four series and five series, and explain to people like why you might want to spend a little bit more to get the five series over the four series. But I may not dig deep and do like a full review on the four series. Um,
0: I mean that makes complete sense. And, and to to your point about buying a twenty four inch TV, uh, can you even do that today? I mean I I haven't looked at that market segment in years, so I it was getting harder and harder because my, you know my parents were. Well, we've got these bookcases, and we don't want to get rid of them. And so, so, and and I'm here to tell
1: you that you can absolutely buy a 24 inch TV. There's an Insignia 24 inch TV at Best Buy for 100 bucks right now. Okay, like, um, yeah, exactly. So, um, but the reason I brought up like what TVs I'm not going to review is to talk about what TVs I am going to review and what I'm excited about. And, um, and the price to performance ratio is so insane right now that i think it's really important to take a look at like what you're getting for the money that you spend more so than ever before like at the top end we can dicker about whether qd oled is better than wrgb oled which uh, or is it better than uh you know qled um and how many nits you really need for an impactful HDR experience, and whether the tone mapping is executed correctly or not—those are awesome conversations to have, and I love having them. Um, but there's also a segment of the audience that is like, "Listen, bro, I've got a thousand bucks, <laughs> but I still want an amazing TV. Sure, what's the best TV I can get for a thousand dollars?" And uh, and so I'm trying to look at that as well. And some of the most exciting stuff is that like. You can get a really high-performance TV for a thousand dollars these I mean, days. Yeah, it's, it's like,
0: an embarrassment of rich, riches, right? I mean, we we have never had uh, the 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 quality of panels available to us at the prices that are
1: available. So. I Absolutely. think that, I think reviewers
0: let's, have a bigger place to play in that, too. Yeah, they,
1: they, let's not forget yeah. that not that long ago, LCD-based televisions literally used compact fluorescent light bulbs as their backlight. Like, you know, and then LED, there was no such thing as full array. There was no such thing as local dimming. Um, you know, like, we have come so far so fast, and there's just a lot of really great stuff out there. But I am jazzed about QD OLED. I am jazzed about um i'm still jazzed about wrgb oled uh i am jazzed about what can be done with mini led technology um backlight technology i should say i am really interested to f- see a you know looking forward in the future i'm ex- i'm interested to see like a qd television like a quantum dot electroluminescent television that is just electrically charged quantum dots um like, uh, we're in such a good place now, um, but believe it or not, like, I think there's more cool stuff in the future. Like we haven't peaked yet. Um, we're close. like, and I do believe that the improvements are going to be kind of iterative, but we still have exciting stuff to talk about in the years to come
0: well, i'm I'm super glad to hear you say that. And really, all I require is you know one hundred and twenty inch, even w r g b. OLED would be fine for me at under <laughs> ten grand and I would be happy till my you know to the heat death of the universe. But but I'm I'm glad to see that there are more improvements coming too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think the I think what's what's happened over the past few years and what we can look forward to seeing more of is the manufacturing processes reducing the cost of production so that TV manufacturers can can keep their prices low without losing their their shirts on it you know what i mean like the high right now the high end of tv is carrying the market because tvs are kind of a commodity now and so um there's not a whole lot of margin being made on a on a huge segment of the tv space um but as these manufacturing processes get better and better and costs go down like we can continue to see the high quality at relatively low price point and have that be sustainable. And that's good news for everyone
0: I, I I think it's awesome news because I think the alternative is going to, you know like what um what Vizio's doing with putting ads on everything and collecting your personal information and stuff like that. And boy, as somebody who's security conscious, man, that that world just scares the hell out of me.
1: Dude, you're opening up a can of worms. That's like a whole nother podcast episode. Uh, the ads on your smart TV thing. Um, I, yeah, 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 dude. I am not stoked about it, and um, and I don't think it has to be this way. Um, but like I said, that is kind of a different podcast episode topic, if you ask me. Um, I will say though that I would like to not see things go in that direction. You know um I mean, like i po- i posited this idea that every got just everybody super mad which was like what if you had to pay a subscription just for your tv to operate without ads like in, and not not just your netflix subscription not just your hbo max subscription but your lg subscription or your samsung subscription or sony or insert tv brand here like if in order to get an ad-free tv experience you had to pay a subscription to bypass it like oh that sounds awful and yet it's still within the realm of possibility
0: well i mean my tvs are life support systems for hdmi 1 2 and 3 right i i don't mm-hmm. do the smart tv stuff and i hate to think that you know it that, that those smart TV things are being used mostly by like the non-enthusiast, you know, lower end of the market that don't know any better that haven't bought an Apple TV or a fire stick or whatever. But I mean that it, it, the only way I can see what you're saying working is, you know, pay to unlock the HDMI channels and boy, I wouldn't hate to see that for sure.
1: Right. Well, I mean, that is the, that is the, what seems like an absurd thing now Um, is this notion that like you should be able to turn your TV on and tune to your HDMI input and have nothing come in the way between you and whatever that is plugged into your HDMI input. But we're already seeing that being less and less true like the dashboard that pops up on your TV is filled with ads. And like, it's harder and harder these days to just get to your HDMI input and bypass that. So even if you're only looking at it for like 10 seconds as you find the input button on your remote and tune into HDMI, whatever, like something's popping up in front of you. Um, That's one of the things like surprise, I'm not usually sitting around singing Google's praises, but one thing I will say for... um, the Chromecast with, uh, or some of the Google TV platforms I'm seeing is that you can set it up as a dumb TV. Um, and I like that. Like if you can just say, you know what smarts, no smarts, don't give a crap, shut that all down. I just want my HDMI inputs. Um, uh, that's easier on some platforms than others.
0: Yeah. I mean, but the, the, I mean, the whole, the whole world has changed too, since, you know, I was a kid when you go to the movies and, There weren't any ads in front of it. Now you've got 30 minutes worth of ads in front of the movie. So as, and the consumers were screaming about it, but you know, the world moves on. So I'm just concerned that we don't have a voice in any of this. And that's, you know, one of the things that I like about our communities is that, you know, we try to band together about stuff like that, the way we Mm -hmm. did against DivX and stuff like that back in the 2000s. but it's hard, yeah. man. It's hard because they're they're just insidious with the ads. So, and, yeah, you know, it's true. It's crazy. I didn't, and I guess enough to say on that. But, um, so um, you you had a most anticipated um uh for twenty twenty two article. How's that shaken out for you so far?
1: I mean, <clears throat> more or less as I expected. I think. I mean, what do you think? <laughs> I I uh I mean I think that the tvs i expected to be super hot this year are turning out Mm -hmm. pretty hot um i'm kind of waiting um for a few manufacturers to make their announcements you know that there's a couple of manufacturers out there that don't follow um the traditional product cycle of announce at ces um you know announce pricing and availability in March or April uh, TV ship in April May you know run it out until um, you know October November and then start phasing them out rinse and repeat like there are a few uh, that's that's long been like the product cycle for televisions and we're seeing a few manufacturers kind of buck that trend you know and so I'm still waiting to see you um, what TCL actually delivers this year. Um, I'm really interested to see what Vizio ends up doing because um, I think, you know, Vizio, I think that uh, they've been paying attention to the feedback that they've been getting. And um, I want to believe that they're going to use that feedback to improve their products and, and and come out with something even stronger. Um but i mean yeah i expected there to be uh something of a battle between qd oled technology and wrgb oled technology um the brightness wars continue to rage on um you know we're seeing we're still seeing like the best technologies getting pushed up into the 8k resolution territory whether we need 8k resolution or not um it kind of, I mean, so far it seems like it's, it's playing out the way I thought it would, but I'm still open to being surprised and I, I'll, I'm happy to be wrong. You know what I mean? If I, if I get it wrong, that usually means that something really cool happened and I just didn't see it coming.
0: Oh, that, that's, that's an incredibly Mm -hmm. positive attitude. Uh, As far as QD OLED goes, um, I guess my use case is, didn't even allow for the consideration of them, right? So uh, I'm 77 inches and up and they can't handle that this year. So I did purchase a WRGB OLED. Well, I'll regret that in two years or not. I I doubt it. I think I'll still be happy with that for, for many, many years. And I got the 120 inch projector down in the basement. And so nothing can, you know, get to that size except uh LG's talked about this 97 inch and mm-hmm. we'll see if that ships at 15 grand or 25 grand or 70 grand you know whatever uh but unless they're 15 grand or less it's you know it's not even in my world view so right but I did get the 42 inch so I'm I'm looking big and small so yeah uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to that too. But, you know, they announced the 42 inch last year and didn't ever ship it. Uh, we'll see when those C2s come in because I've got that pre ordered. So I'm looking forward to that.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> it's interesting to see, um, you know, getting bigger and getting smaller was kind of a theme at CES, you know, where we see the high end technologies um, getting pushed into smaller TVs and larger tvs you know just a wider breadth um and it's been kind of a long road you know i mean i think it was 2012 um i flew out to monaco uh to see the lg's first oled unveiled as part of the f1 um you know racing event out there it was absolutely nuts like for a you know green behind the ears journalist for that to be like my first real press trip it was just mind-blowing but um but it's kind of hard to believe it's only been 10 years it feels like it's been like a lifetime but um but you know just to see the technology advancing and then reaching down into smaller sizes and bigger sizes to see the line between you know a a gaming monitor and a high performance tv get increasingly blurred um and i don't want to say the 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 technologies are homogenizing or anything like that. It's just, it's everything's getting more advanced and, um and serving like more needs from a wider audience of people. Um And I just, I think that's awesome. I think that's a lot of fun right now. Uh, and, and also, I think you're going to still be loving your 77 inch <laughs> G2 in two years. So.
0: Yeah. And I am a gamer too. So, uh, you know, the VRR and all that stuff matters to me, but you know, the, 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 the average consumer is going to be like, you know, what's this all about? And you're lucky if they're really in the, the HDR setup right. So so mm-hmm. that, that that's my next question is, I mean, we're, we're literally in 2022, and it's still next to impossible for a non-enthusiast to get things talking together and um, calibrated right. I mean, it, it, are we just doomed to that for the next 20, 30 years? Or is it? possible. Somebody's going to figure out a way to get these things talking better than RF signals and, um, you know, ARC and CEC and stuff like that. Cause it's just impossible unless you're, you know, interested and intrigued by this enough to make it work. Right.
1: You know what? Um, generally I like to be an optimist. Um, I like to think the best of a, of a situation when possible I'm going to have to go ahead and step away from that approach right now and say that, (laughs) honestly, when it comes to things like HDMI and CEC and RF versus Bluetooth, like, remotes and um, IR, like, things are so dug in right now. Um, The... How do I say this without getting too inside baseball? Like, there's just not much room uh, for change in some ways. Like, why do TVs not have DisplayPort? Well, because most source devices don't have DisplayPort. HDMI owns it. Like, the licensing deals have been made. Like, some things are just so deeply entrenched that they're really difficult to change. It would take earth moving uh forces to like change these things and i i would love to think that there is some sort of unifying communication technology that would make all of our stuff work together better um but i don't think any silver bullet product is along the way like you may have heard maybe your audience has heard a little bit about the the notion of source-based tone mapping like that's a start that your source, whether it's your PC your games console, your uh, UHD Blu-ray player, whatever, that it would communicate to your display um, and then the display back to it, like the display communicating back its capabilities so that the source could do the tone mapping in an accurate way that perfectly matched your display. Um that seems like an obvious thing to do, and yet we're just now talking about that maybe becoming a thing. Um, it's a start, but yeah, man, I don't know. I, I got to be honest with you. I feel like um, it, in the AV world, things are just destined to be a little kludgy, you know? I mean...
0: I mean, we said the same thing about cell phones until, you know, the iPhone pulled an extinction level event for right. <laughs> for those kinds of things. But who besides Apple or maybe Google could 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 destroy an industry like that and rebuild from the ashes? I, I don't see it happening. So, but I'm a pessimist. So the nice thing about being a pessimist is that you know, for any given prediction, you're either right or pleasantly surprised. So I'd be (laughs) be happy to be pleasantly surprised. That's a good way to go.
1: That's a good way to go. (laughs) Like, um, but fortunately I don't spend a whole lot of time being disappointed, you know, like I hope, I hope for the best, uh, and expect the worst. Um, and somehow I get along okay. And I, you know, really just to, to speak to your point, like I don't see this interoperability Kerfuffle being sorted out. I mean, just look at what's happening with like HDMI 2.1 yeah, specifications what a mess. and licensing. It's yep. just a mess, yep. and um, <laughs> there's no sign of that getting cleared up anytime soon. So,
0: yeah, I mean HDMI. I I've, I've been bit by it twice. Once, uh, you know, I bought the Denon two years ago that you know, all of a sudden was not compatible with other HDMI devices and they sent out dongle boxes for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. And in my basement, I've got, you know, a $1,500 receiver and there is literally nothing in its price point that I can replace it with right now that does, you know, that many um, audio output channels and has HDMI 2.1 as well. Denon on... Hasn't even you know thought about announcing a replacement to that? It's just nuts, man.
1: Yeah, but you know, if they got it all right all the time, like what would we talk about? <laughs> will we, the movies what would we bitch and movies, moan about what would we movies. get on the forums and just like rage about like we wouldn't yeah, have anything to I guess. you know <laughs> i guess that is it's, my that's the optimist yeah. in me trying to spin a really crap situation into something like tolerable but yeah i get it i get it man it's right. um well, but I, as long as those troubles exist i have a job yeah (laughs) Uh, and so you know i'm kind of okay with it i guess (laughs) well
0: since you brought crap situations and i didn't have this on on the list of things to discuss so you tell me if this is off limits or not but do you get as many people harping on the death of 3d as we do at, at home theater forum
1: uh i don't i i'm pretty sure that i don't get as many as you do uh but i do hear about it frequently um And, you know, like, unfortunately, the, you know, maybe I should do a YouTube episode for that. It's a little bit, you know, it definitely aimed towards the enthusiasts, but, um, but, you know, 3D and televisions died for a reason. And, um, I just, you know, I think it's, it's not coming back. Um, (laughs) and, uh, you know, I know a lot of people miss it and don't understand why support for it isn't um, isn't a thing in most, well, all consumer TVs now. Um, yeah, it's gone. It's gone, baby, and yep. uh, and I think we need to move on. Yeah. Um, I personally was never a fan of t- uh, 3D implementation in televisions, um, and I it would be interesting to see if somebody could approach it again and say you know what we've got the resolution we've got the brightness you know we could we could legit do an active uh as opposed to passive 3d approach and really make it work like maybe now it could be resurrected and pulled off well but i mean 3ds and televisions it sucked i I mean sorry to use crude language but it sucked (laughs)
0: well i will say two things about that one help us james cameron you're our only hope and they just announced avatar 2 today the name and the that the trailer's coming i didn't see anything about either high frame rate or 3d or anything in that announcement so if if jim cameron's moved on i think we can well and truly call it dead
1: uh i think that's a fair assessment
0: yeah um so, also controversial is at least on Home Theater Forum, we have a lot of folks who are uh, sticking with physical media for, as you say, reasons. And um, I've always been an and guy, uh, not an or. I, I will consume media on whatever I can get. And if it's not, you know, the absolute bit perfect, uh, you know, a little bit of lossy sound and audio, I'm okay with that for 90% of. My viewing and I will get my discs for the Avengers and other blockbuster stuff. Where do you stand on that?
1: Oh, it's absolutely an and thing. It has to. Like, look, you're you know, if you can um live a lifestyle and afford to be like physical only and that works for how you live, then awesome. Do that. You do you, and that's great. No judgment here. Um, but the fact of the matter is like, um, we're, we're living in a world where realistically, you know, to enjoy the content that we want to enjoy, uh, when we want to enjoy it and where we want to enjoy it, like streaming is part of that mix. And the way I approach it is, I mean, very much an, and thing. So like, um, if I'm going to throw a movie up on the living room TV for us to like enjoy while we're like eating dinner or something like that. Yeah. I'm not spending a whole lot of time worrying about the bit depth um, of that source at that moment. Like I'm chowing down on my fried chicken or whatever. Um, But like, if I'm watching something to enjoy the, the fidelity to enjoy the experience and everything else, yeah, of course I prefer physical, physical media. It really is better. You know, and I, I have a fun time like showing my family, like the difference between what, um, what, uh, what, what did we watch? Oh, we, yeah, we just went through all the Lord of the Rings movies, showing them the difference between what Lord of the Rings looks like streamed versus what it looks like on 4k Blu-ray. And, um, and it doesn't take a trained eye to see it like you know it's it's pretty it's pretty out there uh, but not everybody appreciates that you know what i mean like 100% the vast, 100%, 100% vast yeah. majority of people are not video files just like yeah. the vast majority of people are not audio files you know i and i too you know like i have um a number of different audio systems in my house and one of them is like to sound pretty good Um, while I'm doing the dishes and another one is to sound really amazing while I'm sitting down to listen to music, you know? Um, so a tool for the job, that's what it comes down to, uh, to, for me Mm -hmm. and streaming is the right tool for a lot of different jobs.
0: Yep. Awesome, I, I'm glad to hear you're. We're on the same same wavelength there. But like 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 the 3D thing, there, there's nothing worse than somebody being super enthusiastic about a, a you know new panel coming out, and they've just spent a couple grand, and then you know Joe comes in and he's like, if it doesn't have 3D, it's dead to me. If it's not on disc, I'm not <laughs> buying it. And I'm like, come on, dude, just you're not going to change the world with your your sour grapes, you know.
1: So, (laughs) I mean, that's, that's why I say like, if that's how you enjoy living your life and you can, then more power to you. But, uh, you know, let's, let's be realistic around, you know, how people live their lives and, and, you know, the fact that, you know, folks have different priorities. Um, and that's just the, the universe that we live in. Um, you know, this a lot of people out there who don't know what a knit is and they will live very happily happy lives yep. <laughs> never knowing what the hell a knit yep. is and uh and and you know, call it blissful ignorance if you yep. want, like it to them it doesn't matter and it never will matter.
0: Well, one of my favorite things is I, I I'm an A list member at, at AMC and so I'm seeing a couple movies a month at, at least sometimes four and five. And the greatest joy in my life is to see, you know, you got somebody in a row or two in front of you and the first time they hear Atmos and the first time they see, you know, the HDR presentation on a big screen and they're just like, you know, they're supposed to be quiet and they just can't shut up about it. So I, I'm, I'm all for, you know, expanding that and hoping that people can find the positive in it for sure. Really? Yeah. So one last question. I know that you've done some projector work with some ultra short throws and not a whole lot of like the, 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 the big ones, like I've got the JVC, uh, Dillas and stuff like that. Can you tell us a little Mm -hmm. bit about that?
1: Yeah. I mean, um, I, you know, the first ultra short throw projector that I ever saw was the Hisense laser TV, um, It was at CEDIA, the CEDIA conference, and uh, I was like, "This is pretty awesome!" Like, um, they called it a TV, even though it was an ultra short throw projector, because it had a TV tuner in it, and they felt like they could. Ah. Um, And also, (laughs) I think they wanted to, you know, for folks to understand that, like, they wanted to dissociate this idea that projector meant big box back of the room, suspended from ceiling, complicated wiring. Um, don't walk in front of it or you screw up the image. Um, they wanted to disassociate like from that experience, um, which is prohibitive for like most people. Um, and so, yeah, I've I've kept up with the the UST projector and the ALR screens um, fairly well in that, you know, I have, I, I pull some through my home and test them out and that helps inform some of our best of articles on the site. Um, usually don't have time to dig deep and do proper reviews of them, but that's an area of technology that I try to keep up on. Um, and, you know, like when I visit Hisense at CES, for instance, like we'll spend some time uh, over uh, taking a look at their UST projectors. Um, you know, I, I'm always taking a look at LG Cinebeam technology and what they're doing. Uh, Vava is out there doing their thing. Um, Epson's getting into the game. Like, yeah, I, I, I think UST projectors are really cool. Um, and I also think that large format televisions are already putting the hurt on them. Like... It's kind of hard to justify um, going the route of a UST projector when you can get a lar- a really large format screen. Like, you know, there's still no touch in the 120 plus screen market, right? Sure, yeah, yeah. But if we're talking about 100 down, um, then, you know, the TVs are a more economical, brighter, practical choice for most people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So kind of a niche marketplace, I think, but still fun to check out. And I enjoy them a lot.
0: Well, like I said, I'm a projector enthusiast. I've been in, in that realm for 15 years. And they announced an 83-inch OLED last year. And I was pretty tempted to go from 120 you know, projection down to 83 OLED. Um, I'm intrigued by the 97, but the price scares me. So we'll, we'll see where that shakes out. But I agree with you 100%. There is there is no comparing the picture quality between what a 2022 projector can do and a 2020 OLED or even QLED. So um, yeah, the the death is in the middle somewhere, right? I mean, it, it, that that's where the battle is. So we'll we'll see how things shake out, and I, I no regrets on not upgrading this year. So
1: yeah yeah i mean i i have to agree with that um i am interested to see how things shake out and i can say having witnessed it firsthand on multiple occasions that 97 inch oled is just mind-bendingly good and also it's just crazy to see something so large um doing what it's doing really really impressive
0: well not I will ask Santa for my copies. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I, I was uh, intrigued to hear you say that you go to CD. I, di- I didn't realize that. Uh, I was supposed to go last year, and then um, they botched everything with, you know, COVID coming back. And, yeah, the show's on. No, the show's off. And, you know, a good portion of their, uh, you know, exhibitors backing out. So So I backed out we'll yeah. see, we'll see what happens this year. I've got my fingers crossed. And if you're going to be there, maybe, uh, maybe I'll buy you a beer.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I do. Um, it's been a while since I went to Cedia, um, just because, uh, well, you know, pre pandemic, uh, I had to skip a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am definitely, I am pretty optimistic that it's going to happen this year. And my plan right now is to get down there. Um, and, uh, and enjoy it, learn from it, uh, take it all in, report from there. Um, I do expect to see some really cool stuff. Um, and also just kind of reconnect with a pretty broad swath of the industry folks yep. that I simply haven't seen in a long time. And, um, and you get a chance to, to meet a lot of folks at Cedia that um, you won't see at say like CES, mm-hmm. right? Just because CES is so massive yeah, in scope. Yeah, yeah. Um, CDA is a smaller group, more focused and, uh, and can be a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to checking it out this year.
0: Okay. Well, fingers crossed that we don't have a recurrence and we can make right. this happen. Well, that, that's everything that I had on my list of questions. I know that you're going to play GBU with us. Was there anything else you wanted to add before we move on to that?
1: No, man. Uh, I've really enjoyed the conversation and, uh, you know, hopefully we can do this again, uh, in the not too distant future.
0: Awesome. Maybe we'll, we'll pencil in for C, for Cedia. That, I got my fingers crossed that that happens. Absolutely. All right. Well, here comes our, um, our good, bad, and ugly. And um, we always start that off with uh, the ecstasy of gold. And so I explained the rules to you. Uh, and I think you may have heard one or two of the, the previous versions. Um, you want to go first or you want me to go first this time?
1: <sighs> you go first.
0: Okay, so uh, I had the uh, the experience of seeing, or I got to experience the Northman, uh, at least the way that it was uh, intended to be seen. I saw it in a Dolby Cinema Theater uh, in, um, uh, in at an AMC Dolby uh, Theater. And uh, I um, will tell you um, that it was my most anticipated movie of 2022. Yeah. So do you think I found the actual experience good, bad,
1: or ugly? <sighs> you say you saw it at a Dolby Cinema?
0: Mm-hmm. Opening night.
1: And it was one of your most anticipated movies. Um, just a clarification on the rules. Are we talking about, like, the vis- visual and audio no, experience? No, no, no. Are we no, talking about, like, the, the, movie the, itself. the quality of the movie itself?
0: Yeah, yeah, the movie itself.
1: Oh, okay. So we're talking about the movie itself. Sure. Well, I mean, um, we, you
0: can wrap up the the audio into it too, for sure. I mean, because it's part of the experience. But
1: yeah, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna <coughs> wager a guess that uh, you loved it. Okay. I'm gonna say I, I'm gonna say you it was good. Uh,
0: it was definitely in the good realm. I I don't know. So so congrats you won, you won that round. Oh uh, sweet. <laughs> I don't know that it's going to be as iconic a movie as I thought that it was going to be. I thought it was going to be on the level of gladiator and it would sweep awards and would be beloved by a lot of people. Now I should have known going in based on the director that that was, that was a long shot. Now I do love the lighthouse and the witch and his other uh, catalog. Uh, But I will tell you that I expect that when this comes out on home video there are going to be legions of people saying, I can't hear what the hell they're saying. Mm. I heard it in a Dolby theater that is as loud as you can get. uh, And um, there are just sequences in it that you say, I'm going to go back and put on closed captions when I get this on my 4K disc because I will buy this one on the highest quality possible. That Hold I on, dude. Get. Are
1: you trying to tell me that you could not hear something Bjork was saying? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, that did not cut through the noise. Like, no. if they didn't manage to but it's uh, intentional. master the audio correctly for Bjork, that no, is I, sort I, of a mind-numbing. No, I, I
0: don't think it's a mastering issue. I think it's a artistic issue. That wow. there, There are whispers, there are you know competing loud things that are going on that you you know you hear um whatever segment of the the waveform that you are most attuned to whether it be high or low and Hmm. um it's a very dark movie and i think like the game of thrones episode that was so dark i think people are going to complain about that if their tvs are not calibrated well Um, because I mean, there's detail there if, you know, if you're in like a Dolby theater, that's, Mm -hmm. that's done the, the, the movie itself I loved. Uh, and I also think it's going to be problematic for the vast majority of at least Americans who are going to say, what the hell is going on here? I mean, it, it is the story that inspired Hamlet. Um, the stories are thematically and structurally very similar um, but you've got a bunch of, uh, you know, very Hollywoody folks playing Vikings. And I don't know that, uh, <laughs> that, that that's gonna, that's gonna win over audiences either. So I, I, I loved it, but I predict pain for it, uh, uh, on a wider audience,
1: man. I mean, you know, am I don't know a whole lot about it. Haven't seen it myself, mm-hmm. but just based off of your description, my gut tells me that you are dead on correct. Like it is probably it's going to make more noise yeah. when it comes out um, on home video formats mm-hmm. than it has in the theaters. And the noise sounds like not going to be great.
0: Yeah. Did you see either The Witch or uh, The Lighthouse?
1: No, I didn't. Oh,
0: highly recommended on both of them, but also very controversial and um, you know, my, my, my guiding light is willing suspension of disbelief. And I believe, right. I believe that a lot of viewers are going to find that troubling for, for all three films.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I get it.
0: Okay. So cool. So that brings us to Dune. Do you want to say anything about it before I guess?
1: Um, I will say that Dune is my girlfriend's favorite um, book Okay, or the series. Um, Mm -hmm. It is her absolute favorite. Um, She is a a dog breeder and professional dog handler and has had a litter with a bunch of dogs that were named uh, after characters in Mm. Dune. Um, She is just a massive, massive fan. And, you know, she and I had not gone out to see a movie together in just – ages Uh, and um you know dune was like um dune it was on the map for so many reasons Mm -hmm. uh because she loves the story uh because of some of the anticipation that you know had led up to like how it was done uh some of the early reviews uh the sounds the soundtrack and the score Mm -hmm. um all of high interest uh for me so That's so you, all I'll say about that.
0: Did you see it in the shoebox theater or something like IMAX or Dolby?
1: Um it was a few levels above uh shoebox, but it was not IMAX or Dolby. Okay.
0: All right. Um, so I I feel like I'm being set up to say that you were disappointed in this, but I'm going to go with the 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 mass audience and say that you found it good.
1: <sighs> well, you're <laughs> you're mostly right. Uh it was ugly. It was the oh. worst Experience oh, no. I've had in a movie theater wow. ever, <laughs> and I mean it was like, oh god, the it was just blown out. Uh, it was blown out to I don't know what was happening with the projection system mm-hmm. or or what the deal was, but it was just washed out, completely oh, washed no. out. Like uh, I knew there was beauty there. I mm-hmm. knew there was beauty in there, and I didn't get to see. Any of it. Oh, that's a shame. And um, I will say that the audio presentation was good. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an Atmos theater. It was certainly not the best Atmos presentation I've heard, but it was, um, but the audio presentation was pretty decent. Um, I am the last person to say something is too loud, but <laughs> um, it was beyond reference level, oh, no doubt okay. about it. Like, um, mm-hmm. you know, and part of that may have been the theater was, prim- was primarily empty. Mm. um also i had chosen the seats based on like the notion that it was in an area where you could like order food and get food in and all this other mm. stuff and the okay. theater it was an amc theater um i have no problem uh throwing them under the bus <laughs> um not only is it a uh, an amc theater which is starting um at a low level to begin with but it was a poorly run amc mm. theater there was wow. no food um, and we were in the back of the theater in terrible seats. Oh,
0: no. Um,
1: so those conditions were not great. Still, the audio managed to be pretty decent, even though I was not in anywhere close to the money spot and, oh. um, not having a whole lot, uh, not having read the books or under or seen the original movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, both of which, like I said, my girlfriend is absolutely mad about like I uh I will say that like I was able to follow the story fairly well. Mm-hmm. Um but uh yeah, just overall, man, the experience I, I'll i say this. I wish I had just watched it at home. <laughs> and have you it in, been in better the, in the intervening time? No, I'm waiting. I'm holding on to it for a special okay. uh occasion. Like okay. um I've got my Atmos system ready to go. Mm-hmm um i am looking forward to doing it right Uh, i think i'm probably gonna watch it um i have my choice between a a ust projector at 120 inches or a 65 inch oled and honestly dude i think i'm gonna go with the 65 inch oled okay um with atmos audio and i think that's gonna be a great experience like um yeah, I wish you all the be best better. for that
0: experience cuz it sounds like you've earned it.
1: <laughs> yep, definitely. And I'm going to have better food and better popcorn. Oh, nice. And it's going to be good times. Well,
0: I will I will add one thing before we go and that that is I definitely have a love-hate relationship with AMC. That the the there's no other alternative to getting IMAX and Dolby Cinema around here and when it's right, uh, there's no better theater experience than either one of those. Um, but the 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 conditions that the bathrooms are kept in, uh, the food is impossible to get uh, on any kind of schedule before the movie and. Ah, uh, the people working there have been generally rude to me, so <laughs> so I don't have any Man. problem throwing them under the yeah, bus. Yeah, it's hard to
1: kn- it's hard to know how much AMC is to blame and how much like the independent yeah. operators, yeah. like the 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 management um, yeah. at the the theaters are to blame. Yeah. But it's a uh, you know I'm we're blessed to have a lot of options yep. here in the Portland, Oregon area. Oh, that's right. We've at. got okay. AMC and mm-hmm. Regal and Cinetopia uh, oh, nice. and um, the, honestly, the best theater in theaters in town are like these boutique theaters mm. uh, where they serve just incredible food and they've got everything dialed in and they're small and, and you're, you're literally laying on couches and it's just, it's <laughs> awesome. Um, and the tickets aren't even that expensive. The mm. food is, but the, t- the admissions no more expensive than anywhere else. Um, so I'm sorry you know to hear that your options are limited i'm not over here gloating about my options but like since i have them i know where i'm not going
0: well my my heart's in the home theater anyway but i I like to get out i I, i'm basically a an introvert but when you put me in uh in a theater uh setting i'm 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 in my prime so i'm happy to hear that
1: Yeah. yeah 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 yeah
0: well that was a great interview caleb thank you for joining us and um turn this down just a little bit i i learned so much and i'm excited uh to get my tv up and looking forward for more reviews out of you and uh maybe we'll uh see each other at uh cd at some point that'd be awesome
1: it, it's been my pleasure i had a great time too and yeah i'm looking forward to uh getting a chance to meet you in real life uh hopefully at cedia
0: that'd be cool Well, best of luck with the rest of your reviews in this awesome TV season, and thanks for joining us, and we'll look forward to whatever comes next.
1: Awesome. Thanks, man. All
0: right. Thanks, Caleb.